Welcome to the Voice of Eden podcast. I'm uh, Nigel Hughes, Scientific Director at uh, Janssen and uh, Global R&D and Epidemiology, um, but also Project Lead for Eden. And I'm delighted in episode five now to have two colleagues from Eden, actually from World Package 6, uh, Carlos Diaz uh, from Synapse Research and Johan Prove from Bayer, who are our public-private uh, coordinators and leaders for that work package, particularly focused on sustainability and community and education and training and value propositions for key stakeholders in, in their particular work plan. And we're going to actually focus on, on, on these elements, actually, in, in, in the conversation today. Um, so without much further ado, I'll ask, uh, in time of fashion, uh, Carlos and myself, Johan, to give a short history or background, as it were, particularly for our audience, so they kind of know where you're coming from, as it were, in your career and, and what you do today. So thank you very much and welcome. So Carlos, please. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Nigel. Um, delighted to be part of this Voice of Eden pod podcast. I was looking forward to it. So um, yes, uh, my name is Carlos Diaz. I'm CEO of um, Synapse Research, a small and medium company uh, in Spain, specialized in the management of complex research and development projects in the biomedical sector. Um, and my background is in economy and business administration, actually. Um, and I've been managing complex projects, say, for over 25 years now uh, at academic centers uh, in a variety of areas. And I was also managing director of, of a research center. But since 2008, I've been focusing uh, mostly on, on synapses activity. Um, and along the you know uh, last 15 years or so, um, the company has been specializing a lot in uh, European projects, NIMI particularly, uh, as a kind of paradigm for public-private partnerships. Um, and uh, we're, again, very happy to see that, that we've been uh, quite successful, I would say. Um, in Horizon 2020, we were uh, the number one SME in the health area. Uh, essentially, I'm uh, directing a number of projects, um, always from the project management point of view on sustainability. Uh, among those, um, of course, eTransafe, ERA4TB, Neuronet, for example. And uh, I think Eden is one of the leading examples of what I would like to see in, in, in such a, a project. Um, lately, we've been also involved in um, uh, providing services for Erasmus MC um, in the Darwin EU um, initiative. So thanks again. Uh, thank you, Carlos. And I think good recognition in terms of, uh, as you say, Horizon Europe being number one, because I was just about to say, when you mentioned a lot of projects, for instance, uh, and some success and so forth, I think that was a bit of an understatement. <laughs> I think I think Synapse is incredibly well recognized in, in the domain, as it were. So no, fantastic. So welcome. Thank you. Um, so please uh, welcome also uh, Johan. Hi, Nigel and Carlos. Thank you very much for the invitation to contribute to this podcast. Um, my name is Johan Prover. I'm uh, um, the Work Package 6 co-lead with Carlos. My background is uh, that I'm a biologist by training. I spent about exactly 36 years in clinical data management at Bayer Healthcare and ran the global data management organization for about 15 years prior to retirement. During my time at Bayer, I contributed already to an IMI project called EHR4CR, Electronic mm -hmm. Health Records for Clinical Research, and got exposed to working with uh, you know data that were unstructured, that were not as nicely collected as uh, data on case report forms for controlled clinical trials. 
So I retired from Bayer and uh, got resuscitated a couple of years later to contribute to the <laughs> Eden project and uh, uh, enjoyed uh, working on the sustainability and the outreach uh, work package. In my other life, I'm chief scientific officer at a company called Syntegrity, which is a company working in the risk-based quality management area. And um, I think with that, I pass it back to you, Nigel. Thank you very much, Johan. That's tremendous. I think both have uh, fascinating backgrounds, but also very complementary, I think. I've often seen you as, as two halves of a whole individual, almost, in terms of co-leading Work Package 6. And I can understand why, actually, in terms of your, your respective career paths. So I really appreciate the, the insights there. Thank you very much. Um, so as as always and as usual in, in these episodes, we we, uh, we task our uh, participants with three questions, as it were, that kind of lead into each other and, uh, and, and help with uh, kind of um, formatting the conversation and so forth. So I'm going to throw the kind of first question out there and let's see how this goes in terms of in terms of your thoughts. Um, I mean, critically, Eden is creating a large scale community of data partners, small to medium sized enterprises, SMEs, researchers, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, you know, many others, myriad of type of different organizations, but particularly those ones. And we are now, uh, well, roughly four years in now from the start of the project. We have two years officially to go in April 2024 will be the end of the this uh, this IMI phase, if you like, Avid. How have you seen this kind of community developing from your vantage points, you know, in terms of supporting what we do in the project, but particularly a kind of suppose, open science research in, in Europe? And I'll carry on in the same order, maybe start with you, Carlos, and then jump to you, Johan, for, for comment, but then we can kind of mix and match. But uh, yeah, Carlos. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been quite impressive uh, from a point of view. Uh, remember, we didn't have a community at all right. at the beginning of the project. Um, yes, there were people interested in the OMOP common data model, especially in the um, context of Odyssey, um, you know, the centered essentially in the US, but now a worldwide initiative. Uh, but really in Europe, we only had a few institutions interested in the OMOP common data model. And I think in this time in the project, we, we have managed to create and grow uh, a very relevant community of, of data partners and, and SMEs. Uh, we've also realized the importance of, I mean, a community is not just a collection of institutions, right? Right. Uh, it is more of a group that has to communicate, et cetera. So the, in us devising the community manager role, I think, and having the community meetings uh, every couple of months, I think that that has reinforced a lot um, the, the substrate. Um, and also, we've started to uh, generate evidence, uh, not least because mm -hmm. of the pandemic and the urgency in, in getting answers to the numerous questions that he was posing. So um, I think that that's the good part of it. Um, if you allow me, you know, I can even criticize ourselves a little bit. Okay. I <laughs> uh, so I think that it's evolving very well, but communication is a little bit too radial uh, so far. So it is from us to each of them. Right. I would like to see more uh, of a transversal or horizontal communication across data partners and SMEs, et cetera. Clearly, there's a relationship between uh, data partners and SMEs because they're involved in providing mapping services to data partners, uh, the SMEs, I mean. But but I think that, that yes, I mean, we need to create that kind of horizontal layer um, by which, uh, without our intervention, communication happens as well. And I think that there's a couple of opportunities that we have for the future. Uh, one of them uh, being how we can best represent the national perspective as well. Okay. Um, so I think that, that that's important because Europe is a, a labyrinth or a mosaic, if you like. <laughs> you know? 
Um, and that is different from the U.S., right? So yes. uh, I, I think that here uh, recognizing uh, and providing for the national perspective is, is going to be important. And the second aspect I would, I would like to uh, propose is um, how do we deal with disease-specific environments? I think that there's a growing need for um, the creation of observational environments, if you like, okay. uh, on specific diseases. Um, and I think our agnostic approach has been served us very well so far. So we are not tied to any specific disease. We, we don't have a specific focus like other IMI projects. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that in time, uh, there, there will be a growing need to also account for the particularities of, of a specific diseases, data sets, uh, outcomes, et cetera, that are not equal. You know, it's, it's not oh. the same. Um, in every disease. So so there you go. You know, that's a yes. very long one. No, these, these are excellent points, Carlos. And if I may summarize or paraphrase those in some respects, I mean, a few emergent themes from your, your points were, were, were fascinating. One is uh, that, you know, in starting communities and so forth, there's always this point where they're driven. And to your point, you're, what you're looking for is that kind of spontaneity, if you like, that occurs where they're almost self-actuating, self Actualizing almost, you know, and, and 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 you know, the interaction between all different parties is 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 is, uh, is in that vein, um, and a, a particularly your point about also kind of localizing this, you know, 27 member states, and we have actually um, not just the EU member states, but all those all those countries that support Horizon Europe that funds IMI, of course. So yeah. I think actually it's a total of 46 countries that we could be operating in, if I remember rightly, and we we are in 26. With, with 100 million data barn already so that's that's remarkable but to your point there will be kind of no you know local initiatives that are embedded within this and then lastly this kind of if i may use the phrase leveling up uh, <laughs> which is you know as you, as you mentioned in terms of you know across different diseases and maybe rarer diseases as well but less frequently um focused on disease areas and, and so forth too uh, which is you know uh, maybe an advantage, therefore, of having a very large scale network and so forth. And you know, this could be one of the consequences. So these are fascinating kind of theme areas that you've you've highlighted. Um, what's your perspective, uh, Yoho? Well, actually, I have a probably slightly different view of uh, mm -hmm. what has been discussed so far on this first question. Actually, when I when I joined the Eden Consortium and started looking into sustainability and outreach, my expectation had been. Well, this is going to be tough. This is going to be <laughs> difficult. It's going to be quite a lot of work to uh, encourage data partners or data sources and SMEs to contribute. Yes. And I was proven to be wrong because actually I was positively surprised about how uh, voluntarily data sources started contributing to, to our project. Okay. And uh, that the outreach, let's say the outreach part was was not really that important. We we created you know the value propositions, etc., and and those turned out to be really positive because you know we ran a couple of surveys and we got the feedback from the data sources and the SMEs, and what we came up with respect to the value proposition it was all well perceived and sort of in sync with what the data partners and SMEs also uh, thought, you know, would be beneficial from their point of view. So, so mm -hmm. that part was was actually really quite positive. I I was a little concerned about, and I think that is what Carlos and you also referred to, a little concerned about the the, the white spots on uh, the map. Uh, mm -hmm. Originally, you know, uh, Germany, but uh, also. I think we need to focus a little more maybe in the last two calls uh, on the 
uh, Eastern European countries. Mm -hmm. And as you also indicated, the rare diseases, although I personally have the impression that just based on the huge volume of data sources that we already have um, access to or that uh, indicated that they want to contribute, that the sheer volume will also give us access to rare disease patients. Right, right. And yeah. uh, um, the, the third sort of aspect is that I'm personally a little disappointed about the contributions from the FPR side, contributions in the sense of actively working uh, on the Eden project, uh, using the data, having resources available internally that could use whatever has been developed so far. And I think this should be and, and will likely be the focus uh, in the next two years that we have ahead of us. Yeah, no, those, those are great points as well, yeah, and, and dovetailing those or linking those with with your comments, Carlos. So it's interesting, you're, actually, I think you're both having a, a similar perspective in terms of that community aspect that you both highlighted first. I think, Johan, your point into the amazing engagement of, of the large numbers of data partners, for instance, and SMEs who applied to our calls, who are engaged with the project, you know, in that respect. And actually, in some respects, I think, Carlos, you're pointing to and beyond that, well, now we have the community of the successful applicants that you know were were were, were taken through, uh, and then are being you know working on mapping their data to the common data model, collaborating with the SMEs and so forth, but then building out the outputs as it were, and what the community will do together and you know, individually or collectively and so forth. So so yeah, I, I, I hear what you're both saying. So fantastic response. Remarkable. We didn't quite even need to have to kind of really go out there and promote and in, in, engage so much as, as as maybe it was anticipated. But on the other side of hand, the other side of the coin, and, and that's also a challenge, of course, is. Uh, but we now want to see that community, you know, you know, operating almost spontaneously. So, so, so I, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of those those comments, as it were. Um, and then I think in terms of well, you know, an interesting comment about. Uh, input, shall we say, Johan, and activity, and including from our FP partners. Well, um, well, I mean, to be fair, I suppose in one one aspect is that when Eden was designed, one of the things that we we uh, we looked at was actually what will be that contribution, and there was two types of contribution, which can often be together in cash and in kind in projects. Often are not, maybe it's just in kind. Um, but we went for both, and we went for a bit more in cash because we created the harmonisation fund, and that's funded by FBR and IMI. Uh, so originally 17 million, now 15 and two for the evidence generation uh, fund, which is uh, a more recent change. But 10 of that is, is from FBA. So, so as a consequence, the in-kind was always a bit more limited for this project. And it's one of those kick, you mo kick yourself moments later on in the project, of course, and you think, well, it was very limited. Um, so that's that's probably to be fair. But also, I think in the nature of IMI projects, one of the things I've, I've certainly noted is that um, you have a sole subset of any one organisation, you know, individuals almost, who are representing that organisation in the project, uh, and uh, and you know, generally also on top of the day job, you know, <laughs> so they're not necessarily True. exclusively working on Eden and so forth. It's a big challenge. So I hear what you say, uh, Johan, and I, you know, I can't necessarily say I, I disagree. There are some mitigating factors, I suppose, you know, in, in linkage to that, um, but also I suspect. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see as time goes on now, particularly as, as there's more and more emphasis on evidence generation and beyond in terms of startup, you know, beyond the IMI phase and 
how we all engage, including as FBA companies with the research network and so forth in terms of working on evidence generation. I think, you know, we'll see maybe how the interest will will alter, I suppose, yeah, in, in, in respect to that. Um, and maybe that's that's a good segue, if I may, into the second question of yeah. our discussion, which is, you know, we are an IMI project. I think that's well established now uh, already, but in this conversation. Um, and, and you know, often projects in IMI have a kind of a mentality of kind of, they're a project, a start, there's a middle, there's an end. Uh, and and then what happens after the end? You know, are there some from assets, some project assets that continue, or is there some entity and so forth? Clearly, uh, actually in Eden, there is a plan. We've had a, a view on sustainability from the start, you know, from day zero almost, in terms of having this kind of view of being a startup launch, really, rather than a, middle, a start, middle and end. But but actually that we'll aim to eventually launch something uh, at the end of the IMI phase. So you you guys have been critical to this, actually, both of you and, and other colleagues, of course, who work back at six and within the project and, and externally, too. Um, we have two years remaining, <laughs> not to reinforce the pressure feeling not there. Um, but, so, <laughs> but how do you, how is this progressing? I mean, how do you see over the next two years us progressing over this kind of sustainability, this kind of startup launch, if you like, in, in time for kind of April 2024? What have we been doing and uh, kind of what's coming next? And uh, I'm going to swap the order now. And I'm going to jump to you, Johan, and then Carlos, if I may. Yep, of course. So actually what I expect for the next two years to happen is that we continue working on what we call the value streams because we have different aspects that eventually will, I think, heavily contribute to the success of the establishment of an, of an Eden non-for-profit organization. And that uh, Eden non-for-profit organization has been established. So uh, theoretically, is it's already available. Um, the academy started working, you know, there are lots of courses, which I think is, is a good foundation to mm -hmm. create more and more interest in this organization. Um, I think, and, and we talked about that, you know, we will uh, have to have um, more specified or specific um, data sources available that, uh, you know, are being called in the next two calls. Mm -hmm. And um, then I think uh, what I would expect is that we that we grow with our value stream canvases and uh, highlight you know, the uh, funding uh, options that are available out there. Right. And, right. and to make that really successful, I think, uh, coming back again to my, my friends at FPR, uh, I think we <laughs> have to uh, really um, ensure that they uh, keep working with the Eden project and that they understand, fully understand the benefits of Eden. Since I personally think that if Eden non-for-profit organization is just for uh, data sources, academia and SMEs, it's probably going to jump too short. Mm -hmm. So um, in order to really make Eden a success and and sort of a, a startup company that evolves and and uh, and grows over time i think the the involvement of fpr companies uh, medical device companies mm -hmm. and, and others is uh, really important yeah yeah no understood i mean we're 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 an important constituent one because of 
particular interest around research, obviously around therapeutics, and that could be drugs, that could be devices, as you mentioned already, and biologics and so on, could be diagnostics, all sorts of things in the future, I suppose. But, but you know, the real world outcomes of, of which are, are a critical focus and you know, part of the rationale for, for even from the start, of course, absolutely. And therefore, linked to that will be you know, potential contributors, of course, whether it's, you know, resources, funding or both or, or whatever, but collaboration critically, of course, there. And clearly others, you know, outside of those scope. You mentioned academia, data partners themselves, SMEs, but you know, regulatory and HGA bodies, you know, all sorts of uh, institutions could be involved here. Um, Carlos, what are your thoughts in terms of the next two years? You know, I agree with you largely um, in terms of uh, you know the next couple of years, or the focus now is on um, putting meat to the bones, if you like, in terms right. of substantiating the contents and the range of services for the um, even not-for-profit. Mm -hmm. But if, I think we're um, very well positioned to actually uh, make a lot of progress because I think that the single most important factor to ensure sustainability is uh, sometimes people say, well, you have to start early. And that is true, but it is not uh, enough. Uh, well, you should create some entity. Well, you know, depending. Uh, well, you should, you know, hire someone that is expert in uh, exploitation and, uh, you know, commercial applications. Uh, that may be a good, a good lesson as well. But uh, again, not, not sufficient in itself. I think that the single most important factor is to run the project like a business, and this is something we have done from day one in Eden. Right. Uh, the way we approach it, the um, the call uh, specification. Uh, the procedures that we have um, undertaken, etc. It was pretty much uh, professional. You know, I mean, we knew we had a large, a large audience as well to serve. So we could not run this like an academic exercise. If you yeah. see what I mean, you know, yeah. it was not our playground. Uh, we'll just map a few data sources and you know and see what comes <laughs> out. It was actually pretty professional in the approach. Yeah. And I think that that's that's what prepares us best uh, for the environment. And I must mention that. Um, the, the global context in real world evidence generation is pretty difficult right now. Uh, there's, you know, lots of institutions um, at all levels, you know, uh, private companies, um, the European Commission itself and other authorities, national authorities, regulators, everyone is jumping on the um, real world evidence uh, train, uh, trying to see what how they have to position themselves as well. Yes. Uh, this creates a very shaky environment. You know, it's something that evolves almost week by week. Um, so it is not easy to actually say, you know, let's define a sustainability strategy and, and pretend that that will be stable. Right. Uh, no, it's you have to be completely adaptable. Um, and that's why we, we kind of design, we not only run the project like as a business, say, but we also, um, you know, came up with that concept of a crossfade between the project activities and the sustainability activities. So okay. it's not like we will reach 2024 and say, you know, okay, tomorrow we start in sustainability mode, <laughs> which is absurd. But but it was what many projects do actually, you know, or or pretended doing. Um, we we said, well, you know, I mean, in the second half of the project, probably we should be abandoning progressively the project mindset. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, a, a defined effort with a start and end times, as you, as you mentioned, Nigel um, earlier, uh, and we should probably abandon progressively that mindset and fade in progressively the sustainability mindset. Um, and that's what we're trying to do with the not-for-profit. That's that's the reason why we created the not-for-profit already, right. because we want to have that kind of destination 
so that we can transition uh, services. Uh, Johan mentioned the academy. There's the certification uh, services, uh, potentially other um, value streams, as we call them, that we want to progressively transition to the not-for-profit uh, mm -hmm. of a couple of years. This is going to be a very, you know, um, a process, if you like. So it's not yeah. going to happen overnight. Uh, but but we feel that next year already, uh, perhaps one, two value streams should be transitioned early next year, should be already in the hands of the not-for-profit and therefore being run uh, differently. It's it's a step forward in the sense of professionalization and uh, again, running things um, with a more uh, more of a market perspective, if you like. Fantastic. And um, no, thank you for that, for, for those thoughts as well, because yeah, it's kind of changing perspectives on the timelines, isn't it? You know, I mean, we're doing stuff that probably many would have done after the end of the IMI project or phase. Um, what's come across from both of you, I think, is a, is having a different uh, mentality, almost a different uh, framework uh, in your in, in, in the project mindset from the start for, for ourselves in Eden. But, but you know, in, in this view that we are building something for the long term here and therefore that's how we should act and so on. I particularly picked up on your point, Carlos, about you know, operating like a business. You know, a lot of people talk about that, of course, don't they, and and so forth. But actually, you know, that's how we uh, have been operating. Well, you know, day to day almost, but certainly in some of the key aspects of the of the project operations and, ex and execution. Um, and and also that we can, I suppose, qualify what we do. I.e., there's proof of the in proof of interval, proof of the pudding almost, in terms of you know creating a network, the, the technical architectures and, and so forth as as well, which was which we heard about. In the, in the in the in the prior episode, um, and um, uh, and then you know looking actually we we'll look forward to this and southern episodes as well and in our blog in the future, but particularly looking around you know the evidence generation, but actually importantly that we are you know clearly impacting in terms of utilizing Eden for the ultimate aim of, of understanding what's going on in the real world in terms of in terms of uh, diseases and treatments and outcomes and so forth as well, um, and. Um, and, 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 and yeah. critically, I suppose, um, a, a key point, I suppose, that's, that's, that's come from you both is that, you know, we have taken a number of really quite significant actions already, like, for instance, and I'll, I can make a link to this in the, in the text accompanying this, this episode, but we already announced late last year that we already have this not-for-profit, this legal entity and so forth. You both did a tremendous job of avoiding calling it the Eden Institute. <laughs> and so I applaud you both because that was what we were calling it and it was almost being socialised into being called the Eden Institute. But there are a number of institutes out there, so we've taken a pause, I suppose, and thinking about the naming, but, you know, what's in the name and all of that. But both of you did a tremendous job of not mentioning it, but I brought it up anyway. But anyway, there we go. So thank you. I mean, this is going to be a busy two years. It's, that's clear. Um, but, but you know, with a, with a very solid plan in terms of where we want to get to and what that will look like. There are still some gaps, obviously, that need to be worked on. Yeah, importantly. Um, yeah, any yeah. other comments before we move to our, to our last um, to, our, to our last question? Yeah, I mean, to your, to your point, Nigel, uh, one, one aspect I think uh, was especially good in Eden, and I don't see that often in, in other IMI or European projects, is that... Um, you know, sometimes in in this kind of collaborative project, um, people see institutions as either uh, you know providers or customers. Right. Uh, and you know, many of the academic institutions, and we know the majority of our data partners are actually academic institutions, academic hospitals, mm -hmm. etc. Um, you know, um, just because they're getting some funding, and they do get funding from us for the yes. uh, 
mapping their data, etc. Um, it's almost like they're simple uh, suppliers. Oh. Uh, all of the relationships are established on who gets funding, how much funding will you get, etc. I think that's completely wrong. I think that that you have to approach stakeholders, uh, you know, first with respect. Uh, and second, you have to look at their incentives. And I think that that's why uh, Johan's point about the value proposition was so important. Um, nice. we, we thought about, you know, um, what is your incentive to be here? What, what, what can we do to actually serve you better as well? So everyone is becoming a customer in Eden, right? Uh -huh. uh, trying to serve everyone. And I think that reinforces a lot the case for sustainability as well. Um, data partners are not suppliers of data. Data partners are, you know, collaborators. They are yes. our peers. If yes. you like, and and we want to to keep them happy, uh, it's not about us, you know, having the best project in IMI. Uh, maybe we are, but you know, it's not <laughs> about us being the best best IMI project. It's about the community. It's about uh, the world changing space that we want to nice. fill in, nice. and, and and I think that that's that's been crucial for for Eden's success so far. I think. Yeah, no, understood. Yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, act actually. You know, I, I always wondered what is it that attracted me personally to to join the Eden Consortium, the Eden Project. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I retired, but you know, why why would I want to work <laughs> in such a consortium? And actually, it was uh, this project plan that had already right from the very beginning sustainability and outreach embedded into the project plan from day one onwards. And I lived through uh, another IMI project where we started looking into the sustainability maybe six months prior to the end of the project. <laughs> and, and you know, this was such a struggle. And mm -hmm. therefore, I thought, well, this, this is really good. This is something that has a chance to really live up and beyond the end of this project uh, period because we start looking into sustainability early on. So... That is really an aspect that I have not seen in any other of the IMI projects and therefore very attractive. Nice. That's high praise, of course. And yes, we work within the project, of course, and we probably will say that, but 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 no, I mean I, I do think I do think that there is something different here. I would have to have to agree. And also one of the key themes that's come out from your 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 recent points in the conversation has been yes, there's a lot of focus on data, there's a lot of focus on technical architecture, there's a lot of focus on you know, on, on analyses and conducting utilizing analytical tools and methods and skills and so forth, training and educational academies also. But what it boils down to, and what you've both been uh, pointed to, of course, is, is is relationships. It's about the people bit, if I can call it that. But it's actually the the community at the heart of that. And ultimately, that is what we're wanting to ensure is sustainable. I think with all of those attributes, of course, we're mentioning. But but actually, the community is what's supposed to be alive, you know, in X period of time and so forth. And so, and we're limited on time as everybody's episodes, which, which is really unfortunate. So I'm going to segue us to our next question because it just follows on quite nicely from this, I think. Um, it's a bit of a thought experiment, apologies. But mm -hmm. actually, if you imagine now you you are both on the podcast and it's now in 2026, so it's two years after the end of the IMI phase feed in April 2024. And we've had the launch of the startup, the, uh, the not-for-profit, uh, whatever it will be called, institute or otherwise. Um, 
what do you what do you think will, will success look like? I mean, how will we be defining a successful kind of two years? You know, looking back from 2026 to, to pick up a point you made earlier, Carlos. You know, the real world evidence train is coming into the station in 2026, <laughs> and we're kind of looking back on the journey. What do you think that will look like? And I'll, I'll maybe start with you now, Carlos, and then we'll we'll end with you, uh, Johan. That's an excellent question, uh, Natch. And I actually take your promise of, you know, doing another podcast in 2026. That would be fun. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was I was thinking about. Um, I, I think the main problem we're facing in the scientific system uh, mm-hmm. is is fragmentation. Um, mm-hmm. I've been arguing for a long time that we probably need a a different approach to. Um, to science, I mean, there's there's all sorts of competition. Competition is productive uh, to a point, yes. uh, and it's not just between companies or uh, it's also between academic groups. I mean, you see the impact of uh, communications nowadays. Social media, for example, everyone is competing for attention. Uh, you know, these are very uh, high impact, very short lived messages that that are delivered, and the academic organizations and SMEs are fully on board on that. You know, they are also competing on the uh, perception market, if you like. Um, so in, a, nice. in any case, I, I think that the, this whole fragmented landscape, uh, this is uh, essentially what we're trying to counter in Eden. What we're trying to, to create in Eden is a community, uh, creating an environment in which we can uh, collaborate more easily, uh, faster, um, more seamlessly, if you like. So what I would like to see, um, you know, two years after the project is that, that the Eden uh, entity, if you like, has created a kind of space uh, where uh, multiple stakeholders, uh, not just pharmaceutical industry, academic organizations, data partners, but also regulators, HTAs, payers, uh, patient organizations, you know, mm-hmm. everyone is actually having um, a safe haven, if you like, you know, I mean, a, a place where they can, uh, with confidence, um, liaise with each other discuss uh, the, the scientific questions that are um, challenges for, for humanity, you know. Uh, we, we have grand challenges in front of us, right? Uh, antimicrobial resistance, uh, we have challenges in terms of use of medicines, we have all kinds of challenges, yeah. Uh, we do have the data, we just haven't managed to use it very efficiently, to be Absolutely. honest, so far. Yes. That, is, that is what I would like to see, I would like to see a kind of a place of encounter uh, perhaps in the form of research programs uh, within the the Eden entity, or or generated by the Eden entity that go beyond the the actual uh, framework of Eden, that'd be fine. Um, but a kind of expanded community uh, of all kinds of actors, um, and I would like to see evidence uh, being generated and being used. Why not real time? Mm-hmm. I think we have data real time. Right. Uh, so we are able to automatize certain procedures. If we're able to conquer the hearts, as you were discussing right now, uh, Nige, mm-hmm. uh, everyone um, feels, uh, you know, relatively confident, uh, or at least not wary of the others. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that that wariness and and suspicion is sometimes plaguing uh, these efforts as well. So if yes. we can have, um, you know, again, an environment where we can collaborate and we can get evidence real time, that be, you know amazing you know that that's going to be uh that would be uh, a revolution i think and absolutely. i would see that happen uh let's see you know <laughs> absolutely but but effectively using data to create evidence in the 21st century 
with with approaches that are not 19th or 20th century as it were but actually when we need it not not in years to come as it were or whatever but yeah kind of evidence today but not in several tomorrows no i think that's a fantastic uh, fantastic point to, to end your comments on to, the, to that question, Carlos. So, Johan, please, what, what are your thoughts in 2026? <laughs> well, actually, I 110% concur with what Carlos said and can only add a little uh, to his thoughts. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, slide that uh, had been used as slide number two or three at the MTR, the midterm review which is the slide IMI, where yes. IMI, yes, where yes. On, the, on the left hand side you had the ocean of data yes. and on the right hand side we have the desert of using these data. Yes. And I think uh, what I would expect for 2026 is really that we transition this ocean of data more and more into this desert so that we can really uh, live off the desert or live off the data in the ocean that we have. and. And if you ask me uh, what I would envision, I would envision that all the stakeholders come together as a community, and there are 625 different types of questions, you know, <laughs> like like the microbiological uh, resistance question, and and yes. we have we have many of those questions, yes, and, and that the the sponsor companies, the patient representatives, the HTAs, uh, academia, SMEs come together and say, huh, that's an interesting question. Let's work on it together. Mm. And here's another interesting question. Yes, this is this is not necessarily on our drug. But still, it is of value to the, the greater good. It's of value to the community, and therefore, let's let's work on it. Everybody, I think, all of the stakeholders will be able to extract some information, some value out of such exercises, and that is what I would envision uh, as of 2026 and beyond. That you know, those cooperations run more smoothly and and not you know in this sort of always protected oh no these are my data and this is my mm. research question and therefore you know uh, yeah. i want to have my my individual um rights to it and i think that is where we are also working on it and i'm i must admit i'm, I'm really pleased to see these hackathons and studyathons which are so valuable you know it's a proof mm -hmm. yes it can work just guys get together come up with your research question and then use the data that are available. And that is my wishful thinking. Uh, yeah, no, I, I fully agree, uh, Johan. I think that your point about everyone being protective, uh, that's exactly uh, you know, what I meant by, by the fragmentation. Nice. You know? nice. I, think, I think that almost the motto for it could be overcoming fear. You know? mm -hmm. I, think, I think fear is the single most important risk uh, that we have. Mm -hmm. um, that is hampering, you know, the, the creation of such an such an environment. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, I think that that the scientific system is a little bit still built around. So it has a little bit of a Middle Ages flavor to it, <laughs> you know, where everyone is trying to build their own castle, you know, and mm -hmm. everyone, I mean, every company, every academic institution, every research group, almost, you know, I mean, because the competition is so fierce, they tend to be defensive. Yes. Uh, so building their castle, and some some castles are really big, yeah, and some castles are small, uglier, nicer, but they are still castles, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time for a more of a modern age, perhaps, you know. Yeah, so let's absolutely. try to build cities, you know, uh, and and try to overcome the castle period, you know, which is uh, really making things difficult.
Yeah, no, thank you, gentlemen, because because clearly some of the key key words in words, but certainly the, the the concepts that come from from your comments throughout this conversation, but certainly his last question as well is, it, we need to collaborate. You know, it needs to be fo focused around open science, which is a, a, a core attribute, a core value actually of Eden, but also linked to our more global collaboration, also within Odyssey, of course, as well. Um, and we need to kind of re-green the desert the ocean <laughs> data. Absolutely. That, that slide seems to become uh, very popular, actually, the, the ocean, the Europe being an ocean of data, but a desert for analysis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we need to re-green the desert. But by doing so, it becomes far more attractive then for people to come together, collaborate, you know, occupy space together in this former desert, uh, working with, uh, with that, 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 that ocean of data. Um, and Eden has an opportunity here in sustainability mode, as it were, to be, you know, at the, at the core in engendering that that uh, self-actualized, as it were, you know, spontaneous, as you mentioned earlier, Carlos, uh, community that's that's working together, uh, not really focusing so much actually on the data, which is where we're, you know, a lot, a lot of time we do focus, but actually on the analysis of it, but the evidence of it, effectively potentially in real time, as you mentioned earlier as well. Um, but therefore impacting on on our healthcare, our public health, you know, outcomes even down to an individual patient level today and, and not in several tomorrows. Um, and and actually, I think uh, qualified by a lot of your comments as well, Johan, you know, we've seen some fantastically positive signs that, that you know, that we are not alone. We're not crazy, <laughs> that we're not we're not alone, that many also see, see the opportunity here and that we, you know, that Eden in some respects acts as that facilitator, that environment, that safe haven, I believe you use the term, Carlos, um, yeah. to, to support that. So again, we've run out of time in these episodes. We could go on for a lot longer, and I know we could in conversation, but I certainly hope the, the audience uh, have got better insights into, into well, not just sustainability of Eden, that's actually not the issue in some respects, but actually the grander vision of what we're aiming to achieve and build here, as it were, long term, as it were, and even beyond 2026, actually, but, you know, two years after, after the end. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank each of you um, for your, for your time you. today and, and our conversation. Thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to, and no doubt we'll be discussing this further in this kind of forum uh, over the next two years. And, and you never know, uh, Carlos, maybe maybe uh, an episode in 2026, of the Voice of Eden podcast, maybe still being owned by then. That would be nice. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, but thank you very much indeed. So so uh, thank you and uh, appreciate it again. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Johan, and uh, really very thank, thank you very much as well, Carlos. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Excellent. Thank you. And we look forward to our sixth episode of the Voice of Eden podcast with our guest, Professor Danny Plato Alhambra, Professor of Pharmaco and Device Epidemiology at Endorms University of Oxford. And Danny is a research coordinator of Eden and will be following up from his episode in season one on the exciting developments in evidence generation in Eden and wider right now and in the future. We'll look forward to you listening to this one.